Moika. Hey, welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast, podcast Mastering Finland. Finland. I'm Jean and I'm from California. I'm Petra and I'm from the Czech Republic. We're here to chat about our life in Finland. Welcome back to our podcast. Today I would like to welcome Paola from Italy, with whom we are going to talk about multicultural family in Finland, adopting as an expat in Finland, and the possibility to become a support family to child in need. Hello Paola, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. It's great. Thank you so much for coming. We are really glad that you will be talking to us about such important topics today. So could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I have been living for over 10 years in Finland. I am originally from Italy and this is my first and only expert experience. I am married to an Italian guy and uh, we have three kids. Uh, two are, um, one is a biological child, one we adopted from India through the Finnish system. And then uh, there's a child who, uh, that we are a support family to. She doesn't live with us full time, but she regularly visits. Um, and I have been also blogging now for, I believe, about three years about this, uh, our multicultural family, adopting in Finland, and much more at the at theelephantmom.com. Yes, perfect. Really, really good job you are doing. So let's start from you as a, as a person, and then later on we are going to go to your family. So how are you feeling about your culture identity? You've lived in Finland for a while already. So is there anything that has changed about your habits, behaviors ever since you moved to Finland? Definitely. I I would say, I think I identify still as a foreigner, even though over the years, uh, at some point, I got the Finnish citizenship, but I still don't identify as a Finn. I don't identify as an Italian person either. I guess I am somewhere in between. But definitely living in Finland has changed um, how I see the world and also how I behave. Mm-hmm. So do you have any examples of, of what, what has changed? Like some sort of examples that, that maybe in past you would not think of? Yes, I can give you uh, an episode that happened to me like last fall. I went on a work trip, so I kind of I, I don't feel as, if, as I don't identify as a Finn, as I mentioned, and I I come with a bit of a the Italian warmth uh, compared to to the natives here. <laughs> and yet, last uh, September, I was on a, a work trip to Colombia, and I was staying in a hotel. And at some point, one morning, I step into the elevator. It's just me. And after a while, a couple of people, other guests, step in and they um, greet me. And I start like hyperventilating. Like I was so shocked just by being greeted by a stranger. And and like later, like as I step out of the elevator, (laughs) like what has happened to me? (laughs) Like, right? And so I guess... um, yeah, I guess these kind of small things, uh, but also I think um, uh, I I also embrace uh, one thing I love about Finland, which is this strive for equality. Um, 
and uh, which is something I don't give for granted coming from Italy. And uh, it, it really influenced me over the years about how I see the world. And, and I, I spotted injustices that living in, in Italy, I, I had just got used to. Yeah, that's totally true. I agree with that. It definitely works with this equality for me as well. And now when I get back to my country, then people think I'm some sort of weirdo because they are not really on the same vibe. So it's, it's sort of hard from that point of view. Okay, thanks. Uh, then how is it to have a multicultural family in Finland? Is there something uh, sort of atypical about it? Do you see any differences from like how are you being treated as a family in Finland? Or how, how is your own experience about that? Yeah, so I love it. Let's start from that. Uh, I am so grateful that um, that we uh, we have so many cultures in my family. So we have, of course, the Italian one, the, the Finnish one. But then when we adopted our son from India, we also right away uh, saw that we wanted to connect with this culture as much as possible. We saw it as an opportunity for our whole family to to grow uh, in that direction. So I, I love that there's so much different perspectives and uh, small traditions and, and, and I love it. It's, it's exciting and it really makes uh, every day uh, exciting and there's always new things to learn. When it comes to being treated differently, um, Maybe not treated differently as much, but uh, I think Finland is not yet has not yet adapted to its own multicultural multiculturalism. Um, so uh, there have been several cases in which access to fundamental services was hard or denied because, for example, of language barriers or because the specific needs of multicultural and multilingual families were not taken into account. Um, and it, it, sometimes it's really in the everyday life. So my um, my daughter, she's now seven and she's going to start school in August. And I can already spot how much communication has intensified. And it's all in Finnish, which... I'm not fluent in Finnish, well, not fluent enough to skim through uh, this kind of messages, you know, like it takes a long time for my husband and I to, to to get a hold of what is going on, which in practice means that, you know, we lose track. How do you even know if a message is more, you know, has higher priority than another one if you cannot skim through it? Um, but at the same time, even, even when sometimes the materials exist in English, uh, uh the, the teachers and people sending communications, they yet don't understand they have to accommodate uh, larger needs and, and 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 truly the needs of the community they have at hand. So I think there are some unique challenges in, in the lives of multicultural families. Um, and I, I hope in time as a country, we will learn to to address them more specifically. Yes, yes, yes. That sounds... That's an amazing explanation that you gave us. And also, to that, it's a bit related. So why did you decide to uh, uh, put your daughter into Finnish school and not, for example, international school? Well, um, our plan has always been um, a long-term one. So um, 
we uh, I, I fell in love. I was the first one to fall in love with Finland. They came uh, for studying. Um, at the time, my husband was my boyfriend. And I remember like after a couple of months, I called back and I said, we have to come here. <laughs> and um, fast forward, like a year later, uh, we had moved. <laughs> he had left his job in Italy and, and he had moved with me. I had an opportunity to continue my studies uh, with a PhD and and that's what happened. And when we did that move, um, we, we did it quite consciously. Um, we saw in Finland the opportunities that we were lacking and, and hoping for in Italy, many, many um, points of view, including honestly starting a family because um, it, it would have meant compromises in Italy that we were really not willing to uh, to make, including like maintaining a family, like it's the, the services are just not there. Um, so when we moved to Finland, we started really with a long-term plan uh, with the idea of raising our kids here. And so far we stick to it and that keep it still valid <laughs> as a plan. And for such reason, it was extremely important that our kids um, had an opportunity to grow up like like their Finnish uh, peers. Um, we also approached the Finnish language with the enthusiasm of the, <laughs> of the newcomers. Like yeah. yeah, right? You're like, yes! Yes, and then you realize how hard it is. And then you are like, oh my God, this is really the thing that I'm going to do now. Yes, exactly. And, and uh, the point is, for me, the Finnish language, and I think it's the same for my husband, we invested a lot of time in that. And we are at a good level in the sense that we can decently grasp what's going on around us but as the example before shows not enough fluent to you know skim through information so it, it takes a certain amount of focus um and our dictionaries vocabulary i mean it's it's limited um but for me it was that at some point i really had this epiphany where i understood that there is no way in hell that i will be fluent in this language, that I will be able to express myself in the way I need to. And I am not willing to compromise and be the person I can, you know, be at, at the maximum of my <laughs> Finnish speaking skills. Uh, it's not enough for me. It's It wouldn't be me. I am a um, strong uh, supporter of the fact that I, language is an expression of your identity as an individual. Uh, I am a different person in English language than I am in Italian language. It's just different. Like It's not the same Paola that you're meeting. And similarly, I would be a different Paola in Finnish. And I, I honestly, I don't like that person. Uh, I mean, she, she cannot express herself. She cannot you know, she doesn't have humor because it. at some point I kind of had this epiphany and I understood like, okay, for now, this is how much I need. And I, and I would stop here for a while in the future. Let's see. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm at the same point where I was like, okay, I can get what is happening around me. I can get, if somebody is going to ask me a question, you know, random person, I can answer I can deal with the basic services. So for now, I think that's good enough and let's see what's going to happen in a bit. <laughs> okay, 
So uh, when did you start thinking for the first time about adopting a child in Finland? Yes, so um, I think both my husband and I, we had um, considered that as individuals, but we started speaking about it when our daughter was about to turn one year. Uh, we, I, I don't even honestly remember how it happened exactly. I just know that the, the, the uh, topic popped up once and we realized that we had dreamed about it as, as individuals or if not dreamed, you know, considered that. And, and then we started talking and we said, well, if, if not us, who? <laughs> I guess was, we, we felt like that we had the right... Um, uh, resources and, and under you know, many perspectives, not just financial, but um, and we thought let's let's do it. Uh, when our daughter turned one, we we started the the counseling, um, and then we underwent the process, which in total lasted three years uh, from the very start until we met our son. Um, it's. I would say we, we were lucky. It was a fast process. I would say that someone who wants to adopt should uh, factor in uh, around five years to, to be on the safe side and not be disappointed. You know, it, it might be even longer, but I think five, it's a good uh, point where to place your expectations. Wow. So could you um, sort of, if, if it's possible for you to sort of summarize could you sort of give us some steps that you went through during during the adoption process that were really important to get to the goal? Absolutely. And I, I want to underline, I wrote extensively about it. So if someone wants to go a bit deeper, then my blog is, is a good reference. Um, but the steps are the following. So the first phase is called counseling in Finnish, Adoptio Neuvonta. And it's a series of meetings with a social worker. And usually it's handled by your local social services, even though in the capital area, at least nowadays, it's Save the Children providing this counseling in English language. Uh, usually it's outsourced to them. Um, and this this can last like one year, one year and a half sometimes. And it's a series of meetings in which the social worker asks you a lot of questions and some documentations, for example, about your um, financial assets, your overall health, uh, and questions go from mapping your um, extended family situations to uh, your motivations to uh, to adopt, uh, your expectations, uh, uh, your strengths and, and weaknesses as a parent. To be honest, it's a lot of a mind exercise because it's, it's such a wide uh, realm of, po of possibilities that it, it feels a bit, um, yeah, a bit like a mental exercise. But nevertheless, it can be useful also to, to kind of like reflect on, um, on yourself and, and you as a couple and, or a family and so on. This uh, social worker at the end of this um, series of meetings, um, she writes a home study in which she summarizes um, whatever you talked about and her own impression and recommendation. So in the end, she decides if she recommends you as an adoptive family or not. Um, then this home study is submitted to a central authority in Finland called Valvira. 
there's an adoption board which uh, uh, examines these home studies, these applications, and decides if your family is eligible or not to adopt a child. Once you receive this permission, you have to go to an adoption agency. Uh, those are the places that work with actual countries to adopt from. Now, I focus here on international adoption. Um, this, this would be what I said so far would be valid also for domestic adoption. But in Finland, domestic adoption is very hard. Uh, there are so few adoptable children in Finland that even Finnish families tend to go uh, towards the international one. Um, I, I honestly, I'm not even sure if a multicultural family would be easily eligible to adopt a Finnish child, given that there's so many that, you know, otherwise qualify that I, I would be surprised if, you know, this inconvenience of an additional culture, like, uh, I mean, I think, so I, I would, I wouldn't go there, but of course one can examine further if they feel that's the option for them, but it's, it's very, a very hard path from what I heard. But anyway, if you uh, want to uh, adopt an, uh, internationally, you go to an adoption agency. In Finland, there are only two adoption agencies. This is a very different situation from, for example, the US, where there are like <laughs> thousands. Um, in Finland, there are two. Only two have the license uh, to provide adoptions, and they are Interpedia and Save the Children. Uh, they both work with few countries, pretty much separated. I think they have a couple only in common. Each country has, has its own list of requirements, so you have to see uh, what your family qualifies for and if you have any preference yourself. Or, or And there the process varies greatly. Each country has a very different um, uh, process. So I, I can comment on India, but... The others are so different that it wouldn't uh, wouldn't compare. Wow, that's that's an extensive an extensive thing. So basically, then then you sort of go through the process and and then there is child sort of found for you. So how long does it take from the point when you already know okay this is the child that we're going to be adopting until the point that the child actually arrives to your family this is where it's very variable because while the part in finland more or less as kind of a maximum length let's say from starting to getting approved at top two years top the problem is after like it depends so much on so many variables um i mean they have like for, i give you the example of our adoption when we sent the documents to India in, like, let me think, I think we sent them in May. We were matched with our son in August. And we were told this is un unheard of. <laughs> uh, but, right, I mean, just stroke lucky. Um, there are families that sent the documents and then are still waiting after four years for another country. Or it's really, it depends on so many variables, like uh, if, the moment when you adopt, how much you are open to adopt a child with special needs um, and any other limitation like by age and, and honestly also like really what, what children are um, looking for a family in that specific moment and if they fit <laughs> kind of the, uh, the requirements you, you have or qualify for. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's very specific, which yeah makes sense. And then to match these these families with children is is probably really like a you know big process, and it makes sense that it takes so long. Yes, and it's much of it is really like luck, uh, complete. And the, and this is something I think one should be mentally prepared for and it's probably one of the hardest parts the fact that I mean when you have a pregnancy you kind of have a, like a finite amount of time you know at most when it's going to happen and with adoption there's like such a and such a big uncertainty on so many levels including the timeline mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you told me that you actually started a community for foreigners who want to adopt in Finland so did you start it after you already adopted on or or when did you start it and what what else did, did lead you to such such action? Yes, so um basically when our child came home we realized pretty much and this connects back to what you said the challenges what is different for multicultural families for us we realized pretty quickly that all the services for adoptive families just weren't designed for a family like ours everything was in finnish so inaccessible so every training every mentoring uh project every even peer support groups in, on Facebook, it was everything was in Finnish language, which natural, but very um, disappointing. Especially when you, when our son came home, we were overwhelmed by by challenges, uh, and we really, really needed this kind of uh, support and and connection with other families. And it was very, very hard to navigate alone. So after we, when we, we were in a better place. Uh, at some point, I when I had like time to again, breathe in again, I thought I, I mean, I, I need to do something, and I, I just couldn't believe we were the only ones in the in this situation. But what I didn't know it was like we were families like ours are so many more than I would have ever guessed. Um, so it it all happened that I connected with the uh, with the Association of Adoptive Families in Finland, which is called Adoptio Perhead, and I told them like, is it okay if I if I try to start a support group in English? And they fully supported me. They were they were great throughout the whole process of the past uh, two two years and some since I started this community. And I started from a Facebook group in which I. Invited, I invited anyone who, any adoptive family in Finland or per, or people in the process of adopting, living in Finland, who didn't mind speaking English. So we have also Finnish, uh, Finns, native Finns in our group. But because, yeah, but because we, the group started organizing events and, you know, sharing resources. So even some Finnish families were honestly just interested in, in, um, in getting support also in English for them it was fine and the group uh, grew into 80 members in the first year it was, I was amazed as well given also how you know careful with filtering we had been you know so for example I should clarify if somebody is interested in adoption that is not the group for you we we just don't admit people unless they already have started a process or they have an adopted child. So that's the, the criteria. 
But it turns out that there are families like ours, both immigrants that adopt in Finland. There are families where one is a, is a Finn and the spouse is a foreigner. Uh, there are cases of stepchild adoption where um, somebody has married a foreigner and, and the, this, the spouse uh, adopts the children from the previous relationship. Uh, and there are families, adoptive families, who move to Finland and need this kind of fear support nevertheless. So it's been a very rewarding experience to build this community. And um, one thing that I, I really, really enjoyed witnessing and it's been a fantastic um, learning and, and reward for myself. It's been that not only, you know, I, I kind of <laughs> by chance met a need, but this community, and this is like a message I want to, to give to other experts, this community has started shaping the Finnish one. So not, not yes. Because, for example, we started, um, I mean, our events were so appreciated by the existing association and by uh, even native families that they started like asking us, can, can we use the same format or uh, co-fund, you know, co-creating some of the things we were doing. Uh, the agencies and the association started translating the website in, in uh, Finnish, in English, sorry, because now there was evidence that there was a need and they started organizing events in English as well. Also the adoption agencies, for example, translating materials. And this would have not happened unless the people would have, you know, hadn't showed up and manifested their existence and expressed a need. And this is something that it's a, it's an important lesson for foreigners in Finland. Like, just don't hide away. Uh, occupy spaces, show up, um, bring your contribution. Also, like, as, as a, your diversity as an asset there is power in that. You can shape, <laughs> you can change really how things um, are. And, and and this has been like, that really has been the thing that has um, sh positively shocked me more than anything else about this community. This is such a motivating speech. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for saying it, how you're saying it. Because we really need to empower foreigners in Finland because what I've learned and I think many other foreigners have learned that, that basically unless you start making chances for yourself then nobody is going to sort of do that for you so you have to push and show and and make effort and then as you said it leads to such an amazing actions as your your community that you start that you started and it's such an empowering message that you are sending that foreigners are shaping the already existing Finnish, Finnish thing that, that, that was working in a certain way. And now you are sort of collaborating and it, it's possible and we can do it in all sectors. Exactly, exactly. And and you you need to, to first convince yourself, like give yourself a, a pep talk off. Um, because I think um, I, I've also gone through a classic phase as a foreigner in which like I started 
believing at the narrative that we are a liability, that we are like uh, just asking and not giving back. Um, and you have to, if you have fallen into that, you have to like drag yourself out. You have to remind yourself what is the added value you're bringing with your diver- diversity. First, you believe it yourself. And then when you're there, you need to convince others. So all this work, um, I have run surveys through the communities. I have tried to create evidence to the other associations. I also, um, I try to show the benefit of expanding services. This is important. It's not charity. I told them, you know, if you expand your services in, in, in English language, because as you can see from the community, there is a need. So first I've proven the need. And then I said, if you expand the services, these are the benefits that this could bring you. More fundraising opportunities as an NGO, uh, more members, right? Because the moment you start to provide useful services for these communities, they will find motivation to pay your membership fee um, or new perspectives, new connections. Because, for example, I um, very recently, uh, our community organized a series of webinars in, in English. There was an incredible show up of families, especially Finnish ones, and international speakers that we had contact with because we are foreigners. And so we didn't have language barriers in, you know, looking for them. We had already existing connections in uh, adoption communities. Uh, for example, I do have in Italy. And we acted as a bridge. And I got a lot of feedback from Finns afterwards saying like, you are bringing something new and, and valuable to Finland. We would have never heard of this expert unless you would have brought it to this platform. So this is my, my pep talk for foreigners in general. Like, I hope they will learn from this experience also to af- affirm yourself, be clear also with yourself first and then with others. What is the value you're bringing? Because we are an asset, not a liability in this country. Yes, exactly. That's true. Oh my God, that's it. That's oh, thank you so much, really. That's such an amazing, and I hope that everybody's listening to this right now, so they can hear that, and you know, we can we can start building this great community together, even more than we've been doing until now. <laughs> Sorry, I went off track on the. <laughs> no, no, it, was, it was exactly what we needed. It, it was perfect, really. But let's get back to the track now and let's talk about this support family that I've never heard of before, uh, but you, you told me about it. So please, could you share with our listeners, what does it mean to be support family or how can you become a support family in Finland? Yes. So um, that has been a great rewarding experience for our family. Um, in practice, a support family for a child means that you regularly uh, host, usually for a weekend, a month, about uh, a child who um, who needs this kind of um, who needs to build a trusted relationship with another family and. Uh, often this format is also uh, offered as a um, resource for families to get some respite. Now, uh, it's it's not necessarily related to income or anything like that. F- 
for example, a very common situation is the situation of a foster family. So fostering children who come from hard places can be extremely exhausting. And so these families can use a break sometime. And, but at the same time, you know, this, this is a format in which the child really builds a relationship with somebody else. So it's a small monthly holiday. Sometimes uh, you can also take in these children for your own holiday or part of them. So, um, uh, maybe because their families cannot afford to for either monetary reasons or because of think of a single parent, for example, who has to struggle with, you know, school being closed and where do I put the child? So this is like a safe alternative. And, uh, Sometimes uh, families request a support family when they uh, are going through a rough patch, say a bitter divorce or uh, a death in the family. So it's a way to give families respite and at the same time um, to build a relationship, uh, a safe relationship with a child who, who needs one in that moment, who needs this kind of change of, of pace, change of routine, and uh, to to trust, uh, to build trust with other adults. So it's it's a very, uh, it's unfair to compare it to fostering. It's not as intense at all. But, you know, like kind of, there's a similarity in the sense that you are really, the child is, is with you uh, for, for a few days. And... Uh, for us, it happened that we became um, a support family for a Finnish girl when she was nine. It was a few months before our son came home, actually. Um, and it was for us, it happened very um, in a peculiar way. Um, we didn't go through the standard process. Uh, it was more of like a incredible series of circumstances and I'm saving the story for a book I one day I'm sure I will need to write because it's been like the most incredible story but let's say if you were to go the standard process you um would need to um like especially if you're running like a multicultural family I think the best step is to contact save the children or fill an online form that nowadays you find also in English. So if you look up uh, support families, save the children, uh, Finland, you will you will find out the pages and the form to sign up. Uh, you undergo a training. Now, if you speak Finnish, there are like regular trainings held, but for English speakers nowadays, usually they arrange individually. So a social worker gives you like few hours of training um not much i think it's about four hours of training and um, and then you wait for a match so it, it works that they uh, get requests for a support of families they usually look at the profiles of the children it's a, it's a bit like the adoption match. So you probably have a, some preferences um, as a support family. Maybe maybe you have a limit on the children you want to host or so on, or limits of space, whatever. And they look at the situations they have and, and then they try to uh, facilitate a match, which, of course, you, you are free to accept or not. Um, now, of course, there's, there's a growing uh, number of... Um, also, uh, foreign children, or anyway, children who come from multicultural families themselves. So, uh, it would be nice, I think, to to recruit more 
multicultural families to become support families. Let's say the easiest to get a match is if at least one of the spouses uh, speaks Finnish, because then you you more easily qualify for also native um native children uh but even if not like our case shows uh that you can do it anyway because in our case uh, we are not fluent finnish speakers but you bet we are not fluent speakers for a nine-year-old so the nine-year-old very soon like gave up on us and then decided to learn english (laughs) she she quickly saw okay i can either like speak with this (laughs) five-year-old Finnish speakers, or <laughs> I can learn English. And and, and being her uh, super smart child, she learned English very fast. And still to the day, we don't have a common language in the family because the kids, the small kids uh, speak Italian and Finnish. She speaks Finnish and English, and we speak Italian and English. So, <laughs> but we wing it, you know, we make it work. Yeah. We, yeah. we make job. it work. Yeah. I think there are many other factors which are uh, more important and, and it depends also on the individual situation. Uh, but yes, I, I would say like the best uh, first step is to um, check out the pages of uh, Save the Children. Probably we can also link them in the episode note. Yes, for sure. Wow, that's that's amazing. And I genuinely, as I, as I said at the beginning, I had no idea that service like that existed. Actually, I don't think it, if I've ever heard about it back in my country, in Czech Republic. Uh, but it's amazing that it works like that in Finland and hopefully more people are going to be part of the service so we can help children who are in need. I, I hope so, because of course I, I'm very grateful when people donate money to, to charities, but... There's a. It's important also if you can to donate time. And again, this this our own experience has really shown that this child needed our time. She needed our commitment and our patience. And we also learned a lot from this relationship. Uh, it's it's a great way of giving and and also like to to build a relationship with the, with a child and and to see also the impact it, it has on people's lives the child but also the family who can might get very needed respite and thinking of of uh, multicultural families and the challenges they themselves face uh, it this um, i hope this piece is also interesting for somebody who might want to request a support family so that's all, as i said it's not you know, this sometimes people have a little. There's a bit of stigma, I think, attached to to this, um, but it's not related to to income necessarily. And even if it was, there wouldn't be shame in it. But um, it cover like families request this kind of support for the most varied reasons. Um, so it's a it's a valuable form of support which might turn useful also for some of the listeners. Yeah, totally. Wow, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that I had forgotten to ask or or didn't mention or you didn't mention? Mm, no, not at this stage. I think we covered pretty much all bases, and almost in the time we we were hoping for. <laughs> I think I think you did a great job. 
thank you so much. It was such an amazing conversation to have with you, and I've learned so much as well. So thank you for that. And I hope that you all enjoyed listening to this very interesting episode. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. We're going to link the blog of yours and all the other stuff that we that are related to this to this interview and Yes, thank you very much, Paula. Thank you so much for having me and for the listeners to to bearing my own voice for half hour. It was great. Okay, thank you so much for listening and have a nice day. Bye.